Section three of Eugene Onegin by Alexander Pushkin, translated by Henry Spaulding. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Marianne. Canto the second, the poet. One, the village wherein yawned Eugene was a delightful little spot. There, friends of pure delight had been grateful to heaven for their lot. The lonely mansion-house to screen from gales a hill behind was seen. Before it ran a stream. Behold, afar, where clothed in green and gold meadows and cornfields are displayed, villages in the distance show and herds of oxen wandering low, whilst nearer, sunk in deeper shade, a thick immense neglected grove extended, haunt which dryads love. Two, twas built, the venerable pile, as lordly mansions ought to be, in solid, unpretentious style, the style of wise antiquity. Lofty the chambers, one and all, silk tapestry upon the wall, imperial portraits hang around, and stoves of various shapes abound. All this, I know, is out of date. I cannot tell the reason why, but Eugene, incontestably the matter did not agitate because he yawned at the bare view of drawing-rooms or old or new three he took the room wherein the old man forty years long in this wise his housekeeper was wont to scold look through the window and kill flies twas plain as oaken floor ye scan two cupboards table soft divan and not a speck of dust descried. Onegin oped the cupboards wide. In one he doth accounts behold. Here bottles stand in close array. There jars of cider block the way. An almanac but eight years old. His uncle, a busy man indeed, no other book had time to read. 4. Alone amid possessions great, Eugene at first began to dream, if but to lighten time's dull rate, of many an economic scheme. This anchorite amid his waste the ancient Boschina replaced by an obrick's indulgent rate. The peasant blessed his happy fate. But this a heinous crime appeared unto his neighbor, a man of thrift, who secretly denounced the gift, and many another slyly sneered and all with one accord agreed he was a dangerous fool indeed five all visited him at first of course but since to the back door they led most usually a cossack horse upon the dawn's broad pastures bred if they but heard domestic iodes come rumbling up the neighboring roads most by this circumstance offended all overtures of friendship ended oh what a fool our neighbor is! He's a Freemason, so we think. Alone he doth his claret drink, A lady's hand doth never kiss. Tis yes, no, never, madam, sir. This was his social character. 6. Into the district then to boot A new proprietor arrived, From whose analysis minute The neighborhood fresh sport derived, Vladimir Lensky was his name. From Goodingen inspired he came, 
a worshipper of Kant, a bard, a young and handsome Galliard. He brought from mystic Germany the fruits of learning, and combined a fiery and eccentric mind, idolatry of liberty, a wild enthusiastic tongue, black curls which to his shoulders hung. 7. The pervert world with icy chill had not yet withered his young breast. His heart reciprocated still when friendship smiled, or love caressed. He was a dear, delightful fool, a nursling yet for hope to school. The riot of the world and glare still sovereigns of his spirit were, and by a sweet delusion he would soothe the doubtings of his soul. He deemed of human life the goal to be a charming mystery. He racked his brains to find its clue, and marvels deemed he thus should view. 8. This he believed, a kindred sprite impelled to union with his own, lay languishing both day and night, waiting his coming, his alone. He deemed his friends, but longed to make great sacrifices for his sake, that a friend's arm in every case felled a calumniator base, that chosen heroes consecrate friends of the sons of every land, exist that their mortal band shall surely, be it soon or late, pour on this orb a dazzling light, and bless mankind with full delight. 9. Compassion now, or wrath inspires, and now philanthropy his soul, and now his youthful heart desires the path which leads to glory's goal. His heart beneath that sky had rung where sometimes Geta, Schiller, sung, and at the altar of their fame he kindled his poetic flame. But from the muse's loftiest height the gifted songster never swerved, but proudly in his song preserved an ever-transcendental flight. His transports were quite maidenly, charming with grave simplicity. 10. He sang of love, to love a slave. His ditties were as pure and bright as thoughts which gentle maidens have, as a babe's slumber, or the light of the moon in the tranquil skies, goddess of lovers' tender sighs. He sang of separation grim, of what not, and of distant dim, of roses to romancers dear. To foreign lands he would allude, where long time he in solitude had let fall many a bitter tear. He sang of life's fresh colors stained, before he eighteen years attained. 11. Since Eugene in that solitude gifts such as these alone could prize, a scant attendance Lenski showed at neighboring hospitalities. He shunned those parties boisterous, the conversation tedious about the crop of hay, the wine, the kennel, or a kindred line, was certainly not erudite, nor sparked with poetic fire, nor wit, nor did the same inspire a sense of social delight, but still more stupid did appear the gossip of their ladies fair. 12. Handsome and rich, the neighborhood Lenski as a good match received, such is the country custom good. All mothers their sweet girls believed suitable for this semi-Russian. 
he enters. Rapidly discussion shifts, tacks about, until they prate the sorrows of a single state. Perchance where Dunia pours out tea, the young proprietor we find. To Dunia then they whisper, bind. And a guitar produced we see, and heavens, warbled forth we hear, come to my golden palace, dear. 13. But Lenski, having no desire vows matrimonial to break, with our Onegin doth aspire acquaintance instantly to make. They meet. Earth, water, prose and verse, or ice and flame, are not diverse if they were similar in aught. At first such contradictions wrought mutual repulsion and ennui, but grown familiar side by side on horseback every day they ride. Inseparable soon they be. Thus oft, this I myself confess, men become friends from idleness. 14. But even thus not nowadays, in spite of common sense we're wont as ciphers others to appraise, ourselves as unities to count. And like Napoleon's, each of us a million bipeds reckons thus one instrument for his own use. Feeling is silly, dangerous. Eugene, more tolerant than this, though certainly mankind he knew, and usually despised it too, exceptionless as no rule is, a few of different temper deemed, feeling in others much esteemed. 15. With smiling face he Lenski hears, the poet's fervid conversation and judgment, which unsteady veers an eye which gleams with inspiration. All this was novel to Eugene. The cold reply with gloomy mien he oft upon his lips would curb, thinking, "'Tis foolish to disturb this evanescent boyish bliss." Time without me will lessons give, so meantime let him joyous live and deem the world perfection is. Forgive the fever youth inspires, and youthful madness youthful fires. 16. The gulf between them was so vast, debate commanded ample food. The laws of generations passed, the fruits of science evil, good, the prejudices all men have, the fatal secrets of the grave, and life and fate in turn selected were to analysis subjected. The fervid poet would recite, carried away by ecstasy, fragments of northern poetry, whilst Eugene, condescending quite, though scarcely following what was said, attentive listened to the lad. 17. But more the passions occupy the converse of our hermits twain, and, heaving a regretful sigh, an exile from their tribulous reign, Eugene would speak regarding these. Thrice happy who their agonies hath suffered but indifferent groan, still happier he who ne'er hath known. By absence who hath chilled his love, his hate by slander, and who spends existence without wife or friends, whom jealous transport cannot move, 
and who the rent-roll of his race ne'er trusted to the treacherous ace. 18. When, wise at length, we seek repose beneath the flag of quietude, when passion's fire no longer glows and when her violence reviewed, each gust of temper, silly word, seems so unnatural and absurd. Reduced with effort unto sense, we hear with interest intense the accents wild of others' woes. They stir the heart as heretofore. So ancient warriors, battles o'er, a curious interest disclose in yarns of youthful troopers gay, lost in the hamlet far away. 19. And in addition youth is flame and cannot anything conceal, is ever ready to proclaim the love, hate, sorrow, joy we feel. Deeming himself a veteran scarred in love's campaigns, Onegin heard with quite a lachrymose expression the youthful poet's fond confession. He with an innocence extreme his inner consciousness laid bare, and Eugene soon discovered there the story of his young love's dream, where plentifully feelings flow which we experienced long ago. 20. Alas! He loved as in our times men love no more, as only the mad spirit of the man who rhymes is still condemned in love to be. One image occupied his mind, constant affection intertwined and an habitual sense of pain, and distance interposed in vain, nor years of separation all, nor homage which the muse demands, nor beauties of far distant lands, nor study, banquet, rout, nor ball, his constant soul could ever tire, which glowed with virginal desire. End of section 3